0: Hello and a very warm welcome to a new episode of Women Build, brought to you by World Architecture News from Alison and now. In today's episode, we speak to Natalie Televiak, Principal at Michael Green Architecture, about the benefits of building with wood. Natalie has both architecture and engineering qualifications and is involved with innovative projects supporting sustainable architecture. Michael Green Architecture wants to tackle world housing and climate change issues by harnessing the power of timber, which the firm describes as the most technologically advanced material we can build with as it sequesters carbon, accelerates construction and reduces local disruption albeit while creating holistic built environments supporting well-being. So, Natalie, thank you so much for joining us today. Where did your fascination with designing with wood come from?
1: For me, uh, my interest in designing in wood and really thinking about designing with building materials in general started with two kind of parallel paths. One, while I was studying um, engineering, I also was a tree planter. So for a number of years during my uh, education, I would uh, plant trees through the summer, kind of 2000 trees a day. And that was kind of this really direct connection with the materials that create kind of a wonderful opportunity in terms of wood building products. And while I was studying engineering, also kind of learning more and more about forestry led into then, um, as I started studying architecture after that, this real fascination of materials and thinking about learning from materials to inform uh, design and design
0: process. And what is so special about wood? Why would you use wood as a building material specifically?
1: What is fascinating to me in so many ways, one of the kind of the most basic ones is just the beauty of uh, of a tree itself. When we look at just the ability for a tree to grow all the way up to these um, soaring hundreds of feet in height, Uh, the kind of the straightness or um, kind of different geometries of the actual tree and that kind of beauty of how uh, the entire system from the leaves kind of accepting carbon from our atmosphere growing with photosynthesis is just kind of this magic that we have to learn from. And so I think that for me that the kind of learning from the forest and the trees itself is really that kind of that seed of the idea of kind of the opportunity. And then that just kind of opens the door to thinking about what happens from after that tree is grown and how can the material, the fiber itself that's kind of made through that process be studied and understood and be part of design solutions in all different types of buildings.
0: And would it be fair to say that there is a renewed interest in wood underway at the moment? moment? What are you seeing? Absolutely. We're in this really
1: exciting time right now in terms of using wood as a building material. It's something that we've used for millennia. And right now we're in this kind of resurgence. And part of that is the availability of different types of wood building materials. So they kind of um, are captured in this umbrella term of mass timber products, which really is a, a kind of a term that describes a range of different, both kind of panels, so really, really large panels that can be 60 feet long and 10 feet wide or long columns and beams, so kind of long elements. But these large products are actually made up of smaller pieces of wood. And so this innovation, and this has happened over the past couple of decades, um, starting in Europe, really has unlocked the potential to build bigger buildings, build things that use smaller pieces of wood, smaller fibers. So thinking about our forest cycles and the kind of sustainable processes that can kind of inform how our forests are managed have allowed for this really explosion now and this revolution of how we can use wood building materials and how it can shape our cities.
0: And are there some building types that are more suited to being built in wood? You mentioned that it's a flexible material and now you can build big and you build small, but are there sections of the industry that would automatically defer to using wood now for some designs? Uh, yes, there's a, there's definitely kind of sweet spots
1: within different building materials. And for, for timber and for wood buildings, that, like I mentioned, has really grown. Historically, wood buildings would be kind of smaller buildings. And in North America, we have um, kind of this real industry of light wood framing. So using kind of smaller dimensional lumber. And now that we have these mass products, there is real opportunity in our kind of what we call our fabric buildings. So the places that we live and work. We think about office buildings, uh, residential kind of larger multifamily buildings. There's a real um, kind of opportunity to take advantage of the sustainability properties and also the experiential qualities. One of the most exciting parts about building with uh, wood is really that connection with nature. You think about using and seeing every day these kind of wood materials, there's a real warmth in that. There's an opportunity to really connect to where that wood came from. And studies have shown that that even then reduces stress within our bodies. It kind of creates the sense of well-being. And so thinking about the places we spend most of our time or the places we live and work, now we're able to build a large range up to 18 stories in terms of the building parameters, building code parameters in the United States and that kind of range globally of the opportunity to use these materials in a range of building uh, scales and types.
0: Yes, I can understand that about a building using natural materials talking to the soul. It reinforces the benefits found from forest bathing and, and the awareness of nature. One of the buildings you've been involved with was the Ronald McDonald House which was built to support up to 73 families. And this uses a tilt-up CLT structure. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Absolutely.
1: Uh, that project we started about 10 years ago, and it's here in Vancouver, Canada. And the tilt-up structure is actually so the walls of each of the house pavilions, so those 73 families are actually grouped into four different kind of quadrants or pavilions. And each of those large houses, the walls are actually tilt up. So if you imagine these large panels that I was describing earlier are kind of stood on end and create the kind of gravity bearing wall around the perimeter of the building. And what that did for us was create a very stable so that in terms of the structure itself, it's quite stable. And also taking advantage of the kind of environmental performance of the wood structure. But the real magic I think in that project in terms of the opportunities of using the wood material was really in the shared spaces. So there's a a common family living room and two shared dining rooms. And within those spaces, there's expressed and exposed timber uh, in the in the roof panels and in the walls. And um, the idea there was really to think about how do we create a place of healing for these families? The families are staying at the house while their children undergo treatment at the adjacent hospital. And so... The goal and the kind of real driver was how do we create a place of healing and how do we create a place that links back to the homes uh, where, where these families are coming from? And in this case, these families are coming from all over the province in British Columbia, as well as the Yukon. And so exploring the opportunity to use those forests and those environments as design concepts to inform the project.
0: And have you had any feedback from the families that have lived there in that building and how it made them feel?
1: Yes, thankfully, because it's here in Vancouver, we're able to kind of maintain a relationship and connect with the team there. And we continue to receive, you know, very positive feedback, which is just, it's always been a very meaningful project for us. And it's very um, kind of heartwarming to hear uh, those experiences. And in addition to the wood structure, another really important aspect of that uh, design process was connecting to nature directly. So, The project actually captures these internal courtyards, as well as kind of landscape around the building. And the idea there was to almost create outside rooms where the adjacent doors could be opened and creating safe places for the kids to play while parents could sit in the kind of adjacent indoor spaces. So in kind of all these different layers, what we were trying to think about is how to connect to nature, how to connect to place, and how to use those tools to create a healing environment that also fosters community and community within the families that are staying at the house.
0: And are there any challenges that come from using wood that you have to work around
1: because of the, the kind of wood
0: building industry is this kind of
1: growing and evolving area of focus within our practice, there has been and there continue to be these kind of lessons and areas of growth. And I think one of the biggest challenges over the past decade has been the code limitations. So the rules within which these buildings can be built. And what's been really exciting over the past kind of five years is the advancements in the building code um, certainly in north america allowing like i mentioned up to 18 stories and a wider range of sizes and scales and that was largely due to kind of expanded industry-wide effort to really illustrate the science behind building with wood so structurally how do the buildings resist fire how can these buildings be just as safe as other types of buildings and now that those kind of stepping stones are in place it's kind of unlocking this opportunity To see more and more timber buildings. We've seen um, statistics that every two years now we'll see doubling the amount of mass timber buildings in North America. So it's quite an exciting time within the industry and I think one of the common threads there is using it as an opportunity to share lessons amongst uh, those practicing within this field. And allowing that kind of collective growth to support the industry.
0: Just to clarify for those not living in America, the code limitations you mentioned are akin to building regulations that we would have in the UK, and they're used to maintain the safety of a structure. Correct. Yes, that's right. And you can go up to 18 stories currently. Is there a hope that you will be able to go higher? What needs to happen to the materials to mean that you will be able to build higher in a safe manner? The wonderful
1: thing right now is when you actually look at the science and just designing to the specific properties of the wood is you can actually build much higher. And right now it's 18 stories Prescriptively, so per the rules and the guidelines that are written. But um, we've designed kind of a proof of concept up to 35 stories. You see now designs for 40 stories. The kind of science is there and the potential is there. So it just really becomes up to um, design practitioners to kind of find the right solution for the right location. We'll continue to see these kind of taller and taller infrastructures around the world.
2: So we've spent some time discussing the design and aesthetics of building with wood, but thinking now about the sustainability aspects of using this building material, do you think that building with wood is a strong solution for addressing net zero targets that are being set around the world? Absolutely. The opportunity
1: to use timber design as a tool in our tool belt for approaching net zero is one of our biggest motivators. The reason for that is when we look at the environmental footprint of our construction industry, we have embodied carbon, so the amount of energy and carbon that is stored within the materials themselves, as well as the operational carbon, so things like how much energy is used by the mechanical systems and the building to operate. And so when we think about... All of that energy that's going into building the actual building, that's when we think about that factor, it's about half actually of the carbon that we need to tackle as an industry. And one of the the strongest potentials to using timber is thinking about our built environment as a carbon bank. And when we think about trees growing, capturing carbon uh, within our forests, and then they're storing that carbon. So if we think about sustainably harvesting that wood, The carbon itself is stored in the building. What a wonderful thing to think about designing buildings that will last and that will also be the solution that we're looking for globally is where do we how can we capture carbon? How can we store carbon? And this is one opportunity that we can really take advantage of to kind of move that dial and thinking about approaching net zero for all of our buildings in the next decade.
2: So, what about potential supply issues that may arise? You live and work in Vancouver, which has potentially a more sustainable wood supply, but what about the countries that don't have that? Absolutely, and
1: I think that's a very important kind of issue to raise: is looking for the right materials for the right place, and having a sustainable timber industry is critical to using these solutions. And that really is location specific, and and it's not only in that kind of region, but where uh, where Can you sustainably transport timber from kind of adjacent areas? And right now there is an active industry in Europe, in North America, and emerging kind of in other locations across the globe. And that really does need to be tied with. A kind of industry-wide study of the cycles of the local forest, thinking about how to interact with the forest in a way that will ensure there is a not only just a kind of a net zero growth of, or kind of a net out of the forest area but ideally we're actually increasing the amount of forest we have globally while using these timber solutions. so it really is that kind of analysis of the local environment and then finding if it's not timber finding the kind of a low carbon solution that might be a really good fit for that location.
2: And do you think these accessibility issues may affect the ability to design entirely with wood? For example, maybe countries that have a low wood supply could use a mix of materials instead. Thinking about how
1: to use the material efficiently is critical across the board, even if there is a large supply. And I think that's something we do need to continue to challenge ourselves to do is thinking about how can we create really interesting, beautiful buildings while using kind of a a limited amount of material in general. And one of those opportunities is to think about hybrid structures. And sometimes those do make a lot of sense. So there can be ways to pair timber and concrete or timber and steel and looking at each of those materials for what they do best. You know, concrete's really great in compression in terms of pressing on it. So thinking about where it makes sense to use these combination type systems. And what we do um, with every project is looking at the life cycle analysis. So calculating the amount of embodied carbon within each of the materials and structures is you know almost 80 percent often of the actual energy that goes into the building itself and so using that tool the life cycle analysis tool to help inform decisions and thinking about when there is a material choice okay uh, these are the ones that are available and let's do this analysis and see what's our best option that we have for this location in this environment.
2: So from your experience then, looking at the life cycle of these buildings, what do you think that the life expectancy of a wooden building is, or what do you hope for it to be?
1: The life expectancy of a wood building really is likened to and similar to any other building material. The critical aspect is that you just keep the timber dry, keeping the timber protected from the environment. If the building envelope and the enclosure is designed thoughtfully, if the building touches the ground in a way that is considerate um, and being the building kind of off grade, um, the building can last um, just as long. So we're designing buildings, you know, expecting and hoping they'll be there for centuries. And, One of the biggest things, not necessarily the building material itself, but really how is the building designed to be flexible to respond to our evolving needs? And that's common between any different type of building material we're we're choosing, but just thinking about designing for a durable building, a building that will last and that will be loved over centuries
2: And thinking about the needs of the building materials you're using, what are some of the things you need to consider when you think about what wood is vulnerable to? Mm,
1: uh, Definitely one of the things to think about, like I mentioned, is moisture. And that's important through the entire process from harvesting of the fiber through to construction and then um, operations of the building. And thinking about understanding how much moisture was within the wood throughout the fabrication process, protecting it from things like rain and kind of moisture content in the air through construction and then most importantly that kind of membrane and um, envelope that protects the building through its life cycle and those are things that are kind of industry-wide studied through each of those different phases of the project and really are kind of a consideration depending on what region you're in.
2: And what are some of the treatments that the wood needs in order to withstand rot and other environmental influences like moisture? And how well do wooden buildings cope in countries where there are tropical storms, for example?
1: What's really important to consider is how the humidity and the air is managed through the life of the building. And just kind of looking at what wood species would be suitable for that location, thinking about keeping it up off the ground. And these are really all things that are within the interior of the building so into the in the conditioned space it's really quite different when we think about building material that's exposed on the outside and one example i could relate um, in terms of using wood on the outside of a building so things like the cladding and the enclosure is there are um, natural materials. So uh, cedar and yellow cedar are great options for exterior. But there's also um, really interesting products that are becoming available that have treatments on the wood that allow it to exist outside. And one material we've used um, a number of times is called a Koya. And that material is, it's kind of gone through a pickling process. And that process then allows the wood to exist outside for uh, 50 years and above and uh, it greys out through the process but the acetylation process which is the pickling um, basically it takes out the kind of parts of the fiber that would normally decompose Um, so you're left with this kind of really stable product that can be a, a great low carbon option for the exterior of a building. I've
0: never heard of pickled wood is that something that's relatively new? We've
1: been looking at it for, I think, seven or eight years. I'm not sure how long it's been um, available. There's other products now that are being studied that are kind of impregnated with oils, almost like if we want another food analogy, like deep fried.
0: (laughs) How do you protect wood from termites and other destructive insects and bugs? What, What do you need to do? Yeah,
1: and that's where the, it's really about keeping the building off grade. So using concrete as the foundation is something that is the most common way of dealing with the foundation. So that's typical for any type of building material. And that's the most critical. And then the second is making sure then that the timber is kept dry throughout its life. And in some cases, if there's a period of time, you can include things that are borate rods. So it's this kind of these small, um, kind of 10 centimeter long or a centimeter wide diameter little rods that kind of just get inserted at the base of the um, timber panels. And that can uh, basically, if there's any moisture that is introduced, the borate just diffuses into the timber and then uh, makes it even more rot-resistant and resistant to termites.
2: And have there been any advancements in technology that potentially makes wood a more beneficial and viable building material not just on a sustainability front, but potentially structurally as well?
1: The advancements include those at the product level. So the development of mass timber products and all this kind of range of panels and different kind of linear elements, as well as innovations in the actual structural approach. And these are really driven by solutions that will create the types of spaces that our communities and that our cities need. So thinking about how we can explore different structural solutions that will create larger spans, bigger open spaces that can enhance flexibility and allowing that kind of those two parallel streams of innovation in materials and then in structural solutions to really kind of interplay and to provide solutions that are beautiful spaces to be in. And you can see kind of even more and more kind of larger span structures that start to create that kind of sense of wonder kind of when you're in the space as well. So I think we'll continue to see over the next decade, these kind of innovations and exploring how to use this timber materials to create beautiful spaces.
0: And I just want to ask one important Really important question about costs. Is the cost of wood equal to the cost of the more traditional approaches, would you say? I understand it's far better sustainably, but if if a building needs to go up cheaply, is it still a natural go-to source, would you say? The cost question is definitely,
1: like you say, number one often in in project discussions. And it really is location-specific. And that is because it'll depend on what would the alternative building material be. And that's quite different in Europe and in North America and across the globe. And in here locally and in kind of our region, they're kind of about netting out around the same. And where we're able to see these cost efficiencies are really in the reduction of labor time. So these solutions really offer a lot of potential for prefabrication. So thinking about doing a lot of the work Offsite. And so that can really reduce the amount of time, which is also related to money, and uh, labor that goes into constructing uh, timber building. And then also the reduction of the need to add additional materials in terms of interior design. When you think about the core and shell of the building being kind of this really beautiful backdrop, there's less of a need to add additional finishes, which reduces cost for the occupants.
0: Yeah, you, you don't need to cover up the natural beauty of a wooden source. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today, Natalie. It's been really interesting talking to you and getting such a comprehensive insight into the use of wood in architecture. Thank you.
1: Amazing. It's so lovely to meet you all. I am so um, thankful that you're, you know, that you're doing this podcast. I think it's just such a great and needed aspect of our lives.
0: So thank you. We welcome your feedback on the podcast. So please aim all your comments to waneditorial at Haymarket.com. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So follow, download, and join us as we look into the world of architecture from a female perspective wherever you are.